done this. Then God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You may be seated. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning and this word. And this time, Lord, as we are interceding for Miriam. At this time, Lord, when we're continuing to rejoice for Alicia being cancer-free and her lamb not being malignant. For those, Lord, who are in the pangs of life by the attacks of the enemy and for those who receive victories over things that we go through. But right now, Lord, we pray that we would be able to unload things that we deal with in this world and be reminded that you have given us your Holy Spirit as a guarantee of us being a prized inheritance in your kingdom. Lord, today give us the faith. Give us the vision to see who we really are in you, Jesus, and what you have prepared for us. Thank you, Lord, for being our provider. As we turn back, a portion of that with which you provided may be used for the expansion of your kingdom. We also look upon our lives, and Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon us to examine ourselves as we look into our spiritual mirror, and we want to see more of Christ rather than us. May you do that work before we approach your table today. And as we come towards your word, Lord, we open our hearts and our minds, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would take his finger to write it there and to build us up into a temple of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we ask, Father. Amen. So if you're new with us, um, please take one of our Bible reading uh, plans from behind and don't start. Or if you've fallen away, as I've heard that some have, please don't try to catch up, but read with us. Uh, we usually preach, teach, on, uh, teach Sunday school and teach um, on Wednesdays through our Bible reading plan. But every first Sunday of the month when we partake of the Lord's table, we've been working on some spiritual disciplines. There is nothing that you and I can do about being born of the Spirit of God or what we call in English born again or what literally says born from above in John from where we translate born again. There's nothing you and I can do about that. There's nothing that you and I can do about being baptized with power of the Holy Spirit from above. And uh, we may experience uh, from time to time uh, in our relationship being infilled with the Holy Spirit of God. <coughs> if you say, well then, pastor, if I'm a spiritual person, what is my responsibility as a spiritual person? And your responsibility is to walk within the disciplines that form you. So being formed by the Spirit of God is something that you are responsible as a spiritual person as well. And so far, uh, we have looked at some of the spiritual disciplines. Uh, we have looked at what it means to live in the power of your baptism and how you review that and how that is a tool that God intended for us to, to have uh, breaking the cords and the chains of sin. We looked at celebrating the Lord's table and the five areas that we constantly should be reviewing as we approach the Lord's table. We looked at what it means to daily feed on God's word. 
as being a spiritual formation discipline. We also looked at what it means to walk, and that is a continual process, to walk in the spirit of forgiveness. Today, we're going to look at a very foundational and important part uh, called maintaining integrity of heart. Maintaining integrity of heart. And this is a spiritual discipline that it's extremely important. This is also a very damaging situation. This is one, one of the weakest areas uh, that we unfortunately have to deal with in today's day and age, even within the church. How many of you have seen fallen pastors and missionaries and churches on the news for the world to mock us? rather than giving a witness of Christ in us. So maintaining integrity of heart is very important. Actually, as we will see, you ought to realize that maintaining integrity of heart is more important than earthly life itself. Its canopy surpasses that which you and I live in in our daily life here. So, as we continue, let's move to the next slide. The clicker doesn't really work. Let's start on a lighter note since it's a heavier message. Uh, I like to receive uh, cards. And one pastor received a card. And after you receive so many cards from being pastors, you kind of get tired of cards. I, I, I have to be honest with you. Uh, but you don't get tired of funny cards. Those are the only ones I pretty much like now. God forgive me. It's not that you cannot find a good spiritual card with a good message on it, but, you know, uh, I'm not worldly. I prefer to receive a funny card uh, rather than any, any type of card. And this is one of them that, you know, it says, I hear you're telling your real age on the front of the card. What honesty, what humility. What integrity. And obviously the punchline is as you open the middle. What a memory. You know, and uh, you know, the older you get, the more beautiful this card will be. Um, as we approach this uh, subject of integrity, um, if you guys remember from my Bible reading, why did the Lord send the flood? The Lord saw that the heart of man was continually evil. Oh, you remember that in Genesis? Oh, thank you. So we have some of the younger people. What a memory. What a memory from some of the younger people. So if the Lord sent the flood towards that, we see Israel being on a journey, as we can see that, being taken out of the world. God's presence in their midst, their law and their covenant gets, gets placed within them. And they will eventually be taken under Jeremiah's rule into captivity. Jeremiah's rule, and the reason why I say the rule is because God intended to rule the, the nation of Israel by a prophet and the people rebelled and said no we want a king like the rest of the people so that's why I say uh, by the rule of Jeremiah uh, it was during his reign that they were taken into captivity into Babylon and it is at this time they got again as a soul surgeon gives us the situation of our condition let's go to the next slide and this is what he says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Did you change the slide? Go back, go back. So uh, I have a problem with this translation here. 
it kind of gives you the, the idea where it says there that the heart is deceitful above all things. The problem that I have is with the next phrase in Hebrew. It does not really say desperately sick. Desperately sick, I mean, uh, what does that mean to you? No, so the Hebrew is a lot more or a lot less optimistic because it says beyond cure. If someone says you're desperately sick, you may almost think, well, it's desperate. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a situation that needs quite attention. But there's, when someone says you're beyond cure, it's already telling you goodbye. It's out the door. So uh, I guess... You may want to be optimistic when you, when you speak and you translate the Bible, but literally in Hebrew it says beyond cure. And this should give us an incentive of why even God himself, when he came down, he did not come to heal our heart that is beyond cure. That's why we are born of the Spirit or born again, because that can't happen. Your flesh and the seat of self will still remain with you to be a problem for you. Even though you may be born of the Spirit of God. How many of you have realized about that duality in your own spiritual life? Yes, a few of you. Praise the Lord. So this is, this is what he says. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Let's move to the next slide. Here we have uh, a Roman Catholic cardinal. Usually I'm not too fond of them. Uh, here's what he says. Never think we have a due no of ourselves until we have been exposed to various kinds of temptations and tried on every side. Integrity on one side of our character is no voucher for integrity on another. We cannot tell how we should act if brought under temptations different from those that we have here though experienced. This thought should keep us humble. We are sinners. But we do know, do not know how great he alone knows who died for our sins. The more I grow in Christ, the more the Spirit of God also opens my eyes to the potential of sin that it's embedded in my flesh. It is interesting, it almost seems to be proportional. It almost seems to be proportional. When I was a younger Christian, I thought I was pretty good. And I, you know, the more you grow in Christ, the more you realize the depth of evil at the same time in your life. Why do you think that's the case? Because you see Christ more clearly? I like pictures, which that's a good Good way of putting it. If your life is going towards hell, as you live, we're going towards hell, and then you come to this place where you're faced with the cross of Jesus. There's a projection of your life keep going down towards your hell. But the Lord takes you into this projection to go now towards heaven. So as you have heaven and hell go, if you're truly increasing, the chasm between the line of heaven and hell will only get steeper. And as you progress in your holiness, the Spirit will also testify to the sin that is present within your flesh. And our Lord Jesus, as he says here, he alone who died for our sins, he knows. He told us, he says, if you would want to come after me, deny self, 
Pick up your cross. How often? Really? I thought only one time and then you're free to go to live your life. No, that doesn't happen. Daily. And daily that cross testifies to this reality. This is healthy growth. Healthy growth. You don't only grow in Christ. You grow also in seeing the potential of sin. And the depths and the schemes of the demonic and the sin. Not something that it's a great topic, but it comes with the power of the cross. And the Lord says it's through that that he has known as he took all of our sin upon himself. Let's go to the next slide. So then, let's look at a principle. Uh, I hate to say this every other time but we in the western world are somewhat handicapped because we are an individualistic society but contrary to western intellect thought unfortunately in this regard the lord does not support our culture but rather supports the eastern culture where god is not known by the way of the mind but by the way of the heart through our intelligence, we may deduce things about him, but our minds may study reality as revealed by him. But God can only be truly known in person and in intimacy by those who seek him with all of their hearts. This is also given to us in Jeremiah as well. Once he is met and known, our advancement on the path to spiritual maturity and personal effectiveness is realized in the fullest way only as we maintain in humility and childlikeness a discipline of purity, a totality of hard yieldedness, if there's such a word, hard yieldedness, and the vulnerability to the Holy Spirit. This is a principle that will underlie for you and I, a life of integrity. Okay, let's move on. One of the best places to look at integrity, if someone asked you, where is integrity depicted very well in the Bible? Look no further than a guy named Job. Look no further than a guy named Job. Which does, do any of you like the book of Job? No? Nobody? Wow. Oh, you like it, Alan? It's a good book. Well, it's a, it's a very good book. The reason why is, can the philosophy of this world help you? A big theme of the book of Job is that there's spiritual warfare. And you and I can try to think and analyze and do whatever we think. But things on earth follow suit with what happens in the heavenlies. And uh, the power of our mind is fruitless. Because his ways are not our ways and above our ways. So, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So Job is a very good example. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man? Those are things that define a man of integrity. Blameless and upright. Who fears God. Who fears God. Can you have integrity without fearing God? Think about that for a second. Can you have integrity without fearing God? No. And turns away from evil. Can you have integrity without fearing God and hatred, hatred of evil? Please note a secret. If you tell me you're a Christian, those are two of the four things I'm looking for. In your life. I'm not telling you. I'm not trying to judge you. But I'm keeping notes. 
about as many congregants as I can. Since we have no elders to keep their own notes and to bring them together. And I'm looking to see if I see the fear of God. I'm looking to see hatred of evil. I'm looking to see a life of thankfulness and thanksgiving. I'm looking to see what else? New interests in their life. But interest of the kingdom. Those are the four things that I'm primarily looking for. There's other things that come. He still holds fast his integrity. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Integrity belongs to whom? To you and I. Integrity belongs to you and I. That's why it is a spiritual discipline. There is no truth. No faithfulness, no honesty, no honor, unless there is integrity in someone's life. I just told my high schoolers, you know, this goes for husbands and ladies, but there was only one lady and a few husbands in high school. Would you like to have a wife that constantly tells you she loves you, but she's unfaithful? Or would you like to have a wife that doesn't tell you she loves you, but she's faithful? And they gave me an answer. And uh, it was unanimous. They gave me the number two option. Not the number one option. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Many of us say, well, how could she say that? Let me tell you the humanistic approach. She couldn't see him suffer anymore. He was wealthy. He lost his wealth. They had lots of children. Lost his children. Lost his possessions. Lost his servants. And now he's in constant pain. Is it not your fear of God, your confidence, and the integrity of your ways, your hope? Far be it from me to say that you are right till I die. I will not put away my integrity from me. How many of you have come to this place of peace because of the cross of Jesus Christ? And his holiness, that his truth and the birth of your integrity, which is exposed to us by loyalty and allegiance, is more important than your own life. He said, Pastor, you know, it's easy for you to say because you grew up in a persecuted church. So your grand-grandparents, your grandparents, your parents, they're all in prison and tortured, and you saw people die for their faith and so forth. So there, you're forced to. You're either a Christian because you believe, or you don't make it in the church. Not that many mega churches when the church is persecuted, let me tell you. But the ones that come, they pay a price. They come to church knowing that it could be their last day to worship God. But literally here, we see that. I will not put away my integrity from me. What is more important to Job? His life or his integrity? So I'm looking. Do people make choices for their life? Or are people at peace within the integrity of what they have with God? That's another reality. Many people followed Jesus. And many people left him. By the time he went to the cross, there was none left. 
And then all of those who followed him, many of them ended up being martyred because of the birth of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit in their life. Let me be weighed in a just balance. Let God know my integrity. Integrity is a response to the cross. You're going towards hell. You know you're a sinner. You're faced with truth. Truth cuts the course to sin. A natural response of the indwelling of the Spirit is to start a life of integrity. That's what responds and communicates to God. What's the number one killer for men of integrity in the United States? Pornography. Statistics show us two-thirds of the youth pastors are addicted to pornography. Not people in the youth pastors. Do you know how we know that? When we have youth, we have rallies and we go to conferences of youth. The hotels where they say, tell us that. You want to know what your youth pastors are watching? What they're at the conference? Do you think Christianity in the United States has been affected by this? Hmm. Do you think integrity is important? Let's move to the next slide. The Lord judges the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. The Spirit is crying out in prayer and in song to the Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. But as for me, I shall walk in my inequity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. But you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. The response of the gospel with the work of the Holy Spirit, it is the integrity that gets, pushed, that gets placed in your heavenly address, in your mailbox. When you come to the Lord, the courier in heaven sends something to your mailbox where you'll have your inheritance and, you know, your name is in the book of life. And the first one says, as you truly are born of the Spirit, the life of integrity begins. Your new life of integrity begins. Transform your mind by the things that are above. How many of you found your integrity to be the most possessed gift that you have from the Lord? And you value it more than your bank account. And you search and you look into it more than to see how your investments are. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds, right? We all like to talk the talk, but do we live the walk? Integrity. And sent me in your presence forever. Would you like the Lord to Assure you that you're set in his presence forever. You are. If you have a treasure possession of integrity present in your life. His word is sure. That's how you know. 
That's how you know. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. Let's go to the next slide. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Now, I put those here to see who's the shield for Abimelech here in our story? God, because of his integrity. Hmm. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. You wonder why your kids may now follow the Lord? You say, I raised them in a Christian home. I took them to church. How will you bless them? With an environment of integrity in your home. What breaks the environment? What's the easiest thing to break integrity in a home? It's different than in a person. I'll give you a hint. It starts with G and it ends with P. Gossip. Who said that? Oh, wow. Very good. Very good. Gossip. It's one of the easiest things. You're a little tired. You, you don't like something. Oh, it's so easy to say something about someone and to do it. And you don't realize that you're breaking the integrity of your home and you're hurting your own children in the process. Hmm. Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity. I wanted to show you that it goes above and beyond just having integrity in our character, but in our teaching. Otherwise, what do you think happens? When we don't have integrity in our teaching. We become hypocrites. Okay, enough, enough. But I just wanted some background on this. Because integrity is only used about 25 times in scriptures. Let's move to the next slide. From there, Abraham journeyed towards the territory of the Negev. And lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he journeyed into Gerar. And Abraham said to Sarah... His wife, she is my sister. Is this the first time it happens? No, this is the second time. Uh, is Abraham uh, showing much integrity? No. So why is God still with Abraham? Because of Abraham or is because of his own promise to Abraham? Okay. Because of his own promise. Well, excellent. Yeah, and Abraham said to Sarah, she is my sister. And Bimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. What's wrong with this picture? This was right after God told Sarah and Abraham that she's going to have a son. And what did Sarah do? She laughed. She said, oh, a woman and me? Now, I can't imagine marrying a nine-year-old woman. I mean, I don't know how to tell you. That's not something that's very often found. People don't realize, they look at this story and they go, what? There's a lot more at stake here than what meets our individualistic and sinful view of things. Abraham was very powerful king. Small kings were afraid of him. A way to marry a sister, to have pacts, not for them to attack you and take your territory and... Your thing. So there's a lot more involved than, oh, she's good looking and I'm going to marry her. Because I'm not sure last time you, we checked uh, people saying, let's go look at nine-year-old women, see which ones are good looking. 
That's not something that people normally do. And this guy had a harem. He was a king. So I'm not sure that he really needed a nine-year-old woman. But so obviously the complications here are different than where our sinful mind takes us as we read this story. Let's move to the next slide. Which was good, but God came to Abimelech in a dream. Dreams in Genesis seem to be a medium way of how God communicates. Behold, you are a dead man. Because of the woman who you have taken. For she is a man's wife. What's happening here? If God says you are a dead man, how come he's still alive? There's a barrier. And it is not because of Abraham. It's because God said it is through this wife that you, have, you will have a child, you together. How can God let Sarah have sexual relationship with another man? Then what will happen? We'll say, well, maybe Isaac wasn't Abraham's. This is about God and his word and his promise. Integrity will keep you away from stepping into what God has planned. You say, well, I don't know what God wants. I'm just trying to do things. And, and here Abimelech says, I did everything according to custom. She's his sister. She said it with her mouth. He said it with his mouth. There's nothing wrong with me doing this. Wait a second. But you're intervening against God's plan. When's the last time you thought about what God wants? And what God's plan is. And you ask for that revelation. But rest assured. Because we are blind. We don't know. God has formed a layer of protection and prevention for us. Called the integrity. Integrity will stop calamity from coming over you and your house. Let's move to the next slide. Now, Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? What's, what's wrong with that statement? Excuse me? He's not innocent. He's not innocent, yeah. I mean, nobody really is, right, before the Lord. That's very wrong. Anything else that's countercultural to us? He tells us the reason why he married her. To keep his people safe. Innocent people. He's talking, he said, you're a dead man, singular. Here, to kill an innocent people. He's a king. He did it to protect his own people. Abraham had a Good army and good wealth with all the servants. Selflessness promotes integrity. Selflessness. That's why the Lord says, deny self, pick up the cross, and then come after me or follow me. And you can see that process of how integrity comes and you receive in your heavenly P.O. box, mail that integrity, uh, you know, life letter that you have now with Jesus. Lord, will you kill an innocent people? In our individualistic approach, we'll say, how come he doesn't say, will you kill an innocent man like me? He's speaking about the people. 
Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Let's move to the next slide. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. What does God look? Not at the intentions of your heart, which he told us that they're continually evil. But what he has taken hold of is the integrity of his heart. And it is I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Did his integrity help him? Oh, it helped him. Why? God said, because of his integrity, I will step in. So God really helped him. But the integrity provided the open door. And this is beautiful because we cannot save ourselves. But integrity opens the door for the Lord to deal with us in spectacular ways. And unfortunately, if you and I don't have integrity, we will not know the Lord that intimately in our lives. Look what the Lord says. I did not let you touch her. It doesn't matter what he wanted. It doesn't matter what the intention of his heart were eventually. He was not going to let him touch her. Even if he came to him being struck dead. I kept you. Not only from touching her but from sinning. How important then is a life of integrity to say, hey, if I uphold this life of integrity, I receive power and strength from the Holy Spirit to prevent me from sinning. Isn't that something we all want? The church is full of people who are Christians by calling themselves Christians. We're calling people to come to God, to come to Christ, to speak in their integrity and relate to God. Let's move to the next slide. I didn't look at that at the beginning, but David says, May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. This is David. Why did David pray? This is the time in the history when he conquered that entire big area for Israel. Do you know what he said? God, I don't have the army and the manpower to protect my borders. So I'll make a deal with you. The integrity of my heart is how you protect the borders of my territory. God said, okay. Hmm, what a king. Not, by our standards, not a smart king. He didn't say, God, give me more army so I can resist the enemy. He said, how is the integrity of my heart? This is what we're going to suffer with our borders. So, yeah, there were times when this, but for the most time... He kept eventually the line of integrity. His son Solomon saw that. So when he asked him, he said, okay. I, God made a deal with him. He says, hey, if you walk before me as David your father walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules. That's, he's going to give him what Solomon asked if this is the reality. This is not just for one person. God wants this from every person who deals with him. But what did Solomon begin to do? Devise plans. 
begin to marry, negotiate, become a, a politician. He did not enter the chamber of, in, in, uh, of intimacy with the Lord to say, let the integrity of my heart be proportional to the things that happen in my kingdom. And guess what happens? Let's move to the next slide. It came to his demise. Because we're good at scheming. People are good at scheming. So what do we see? Integris canopy. I don't know what word to use, but the covering of integrity over your life is prevention and entanglement from sin and being destroyed. Now that you realize that, you say, wow, I guess it's pretty important. David boundaries were preserved, so that's also. So we have prevention, and we have preservation, and we have perpetuation towards a blessing. Now, yeah, I did use P. I, I, I didn't know what word to find for the, so it's three P's, so it'll be easier to remember. Prevention, preservation, and perpetuation towards blessing. The canopy of integrity within your walk with the Lord and with Jesus Christ. So do you think maintaining integrity of heart is an important area for our spiritual formation? God will preserve you. One pastor, my adore, says, One God, God will preserve us, you and me. Go back. Oh, yeah, there it goes. He will prevent us from evil involvements that could cause us to stumble. He will perpetuate the good blessing he intends for us. But the, but, but the clear condition for all this is that we maintain integrity of heart. It's a good conclusion to what we see. Let's move to the next slide. As you look at integrity, people will approach you to say, well, what, where does it come from? Integer is the work, and yes, I am a math major, so integer is a whole number. What is God saying? You're not whole. You and I are not whole. No matter how well you think about yourself or how good you think about yourself, God is saying you're not whole. Look at, the, look at the cry from the heart of the psalmist. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. God, draw the strands of my life so firmly and in such reverence before your throne that I will be kept holy and entirely aligned with you. That to me is such a beautiful spiritual definition of integrity. I learned it from my grandfather. I was four years old, five years old, going to use a honey beekeeper. And when something happened, whether it was on the street in front, he would turn to pray, or if there were no people around, he would drop on his knees. And I was just observant because he lived his life constantly in front of Jesus. Everything that he did, every thought, everything that was captive. And he began to show that to me by his example. And at first I didn't realize what was happening. I couldn't understand. And then I began to see more and more and more. Just like Solomon saw with his father. Does it mean that, that his father was perfect? That he did not sin? No. It's actually sometimes during those times they, you know, you can witness in how you go through those tough times. With my whole heart I seek you. Really, let's be honest, how many of us out of own power can claim this to be a reality? With my whole heart I seek you all the time. Let me not wander from your commandments. 
Can you agree with me today that we're not whole on our own? Any of you agree with me that you're not whole on your own? A couple of you? Thank you. I feel better. So I wouldn't think I'm the worst one here in this room. Yes. Let's go to the next slide. Let's, we're going to skip this. Let's go. Urim and Thummim. Uh, we don't have time for that. Let's move to the next slide. Uh, but the word tom, that you see thummim, which is on the breastplates, and it was a way to invoke presence from God. I'll, I'll say it. One is lightning, lightnings, and one is tom is the Hebrew word for integrity. The plural is tumim. It goes from a sparking of the light into complete wholeness, perfection. I saw the light, it ends into walking through integrity into the presence of almighty, holy, holy God. We will, will be prostrate, singing holy, holy to the Lord God almighty with the angelic and with the brethren and with the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. I, do you see how vital integrity is? I now am discovering that integrity is the way of Christ. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, integrity is very much aligned to the way of Jesus Christ. My grandfather went to school for four days just to learn the alphabet and to read he, was, he didn't go to Bible college, to school. He was the first believer in his own household. Witness to all eight brothers, all of the eight brothers and became believers. His own mom too, except the dad. The dad never surrendered his life to the Lord. But now I look at him, I said, how did he know such an intimate thing? Because I saw him living it out. And it didn't come through the knowledge of the head. But it came through knowledge of the 